You're tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Keetra back again with another wonderful episode of SOB Style of Business. Today, I am speaking to Tenzin Selden of Kinstep, and she is coming to us to uh, give us some information in regards to entrepreneurship and letting us know about all the wonderful things she's doing within her company. She has worked for the United Nations in the past, and there's so many wonderful things I could say about this young lady, but I'm going to let her introduce herself and her main mission and focus of Kinstep is to connect value-aligned companies with immigration or immigrant talent. So let's just jump right in. Tenzin, hello. How are you? Thank you, ma'am, for joining us this evening. How's everything going? Hi, Keetra. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Things are going really well and hectic as usual. And as you can imagine, an entrepreneur's life would be. I'm very happy to be here with your audience and with this podcast in particular style of business. I'm very excited. Perfect. Sounds good. As so am I. So Like I just mentioned, we're definitely happy and and, and ready to get into some of the background and and just your drive and some of the things that drive you to help others. But before we get to that, let's just quickly jump into your background as an entrepreneur and just tell us a bit about how you came to step into your career as far as helping immigrants and to organize fair employment for uh, those in need. Sure. I think that is a question that really can trace from my childhood and from my own personal history. I was born and raised in India as a refugee. My parents fled from Tibet. And growing up as a refugee and as an immigrant, the immigrant issue was something that was close and near to my heart and to my everyday reality. So in many ways, most of my life has really been dictated by that experience of being a refugee and being someone who was really uprooted from their home. And my mother was lucky enough to win an immigration lottery to come to the United States. So I came here when I was an adolescent. My mom came a decade before I did. I reunited with her. I was yet again another leading another life of an immigrant, and that was an immigrant in the United States. So I recall thinking that there were real particular challenges and experiences in my life that I wanted to make sure that the trajectory of the education and the service that I took on really reflected and had a commitment to the life that I had led and the life I had seen with my family and my friends close to me. And that was of acclimating in a different home each time, you know, whether that was in India, whether that was in America, and whether that was in England. I was fortunate enough to be one of the few people in my community to get a higher education in Stanford University. So I was fortunate enough to go to Stanford University where I was able to be exposed to a number of humanitarians and social activism. That at Stanford, I really got an understanding of what it meant to fight for equity and justice. I was able to explore 
courses and curriculum that really exposed me to those important narratives that we often don't hear about. And then I was, again, fortunate enough, and I worked hard to make sure that I won a scholarship to be able to go to Oxford. And there I studied policy. And in particular, I looked at migrants and the history of migrants and what were some of the challenges that immigrants and diaspora communities were dealing with when retaining their identity. So with that, my past, with the education that I had been exposed to, I realized that it was my moral obligation and my responsibility to pick a career and to choose to spend my life doing the work that would make the most meaningful difference in the community that I grew up in. And that is why I decided to work at the United Nations. And when I was working in the United Nations in Thailand, I had a chance to travel around the world, particularly around Asia Pacific. And I thought the moral imperative, the crisis of my generation was really, how do we resettle millions of migrants that I came across? I met women that were trafficked sexually trafficked and exploited, who are migrants. I met fathers and grandfathers who left their home country in the hopes of finding a better future for their children in places like Sri Lanka and places like India. And so there are over 300 million migrants around the world. And yet, many of them don't feel that they've acclimated well in their community. So that was my desire and hope to come back to America with, was that mission of how do I acclimate and how do I find a creative solution, a lasting solution to the issue of immigrants not feeling a part of their community. And that's the conception of Kinstep, Kitra. And it sounds like your personal experience, the, the transitions especially, are the foundation of what spurred Kinstep. And so like, were there any specific, I guess, situations or experiences that you had that kind of helped you to say, okay, you know what, this is not right. I need to try to see about how I can give back or how I can help others or to make the process easier. Like, where is it? Did you have a particular incident or anything that you could remember that just really was the time and to when the light bulb went out for you? Absolutely. I don't think there was a singular moment, Kitra. I think it was a culmination of many moments that jolted me out of this complacency and made me realize the importance of working for immigrants. For example, I remember distinctly thinking, why is it that in Minnesota, there's such a large community of Hmong and Somalian refugees who are now becoming naturalized in America, and yet they were gangbanging. They had violent homes. The Hmong community is one of the poorest ethnic communities in the United States. And I remember thinking, why is that the case? Clearly, the Hmong community is not the typical model minority Asian American. Because in the United States, there's often a misconception that if you're Asian, you, you must be incredibly good at math, that you must be excelling in school. But that criteria did not really resonate with the Hmong community. And I remembered asking myself, why is that? And now through experience of, you know, having been educated at this and working with refugees, I know it's because the home life is incredibly difficult for an average refugee, as it was for me. My father and my mother both had to work incredibly hard. And I had family members who worked under the table. I had family members who were working off the books under the table and making very little, if any, to survive. 
And it took a consolidation of effort. It took all of us working together for us to be able to afford a home, for us to be able to afford a car. And when you have the opportunity to come to America, people don't think about the loss of language, the loss of identity that comes with it. There's a lot of cultural and historical trauma that also resides in these families. And I experienced that myself, the question of wondering, who am I really? When you've been uprooted so many times that, of course, you're going to, your identity will be a little bit more malleable. And of course, your identity will be a little bit more mixed and you're going to be confused as a child. And so those are questions that I don't know if cities and governments have really taken into account when thinking about placing immigrants and refugees into school. Additionally, as I mentioned, Kitra, many of my family members were working under the table. So I firsthand saw how exploitative that could be. I saw that someone could, an employer could decide not to pay insurance because you're working under the table. So if you go to the police, they're not going to seek for your justice because you're you're basically seen as a criminal. And under the table work, I think, is really the fabric of much of America's economy, yet we fail to recognize that immigrants are the major engine of this economy, running this economy. And that's why I think for Kinstep, I wanted to make sure that we tackle, ensure that every immigrant who works with us and that we work for gets placed in a job that's fair, that's steady, where they get a fair income, and where they can get compensated for the work that they deliver. Exactly. So they're not taken advantage of. And I'm familiar with a lot of those stories. And which brings me to this point, like, it, it sounds like, okay, so you have Kinstep, this huge vision. And of course, it's a serious undertaking, because there's not only one community, community that would need a company such as Kinstep to kind of serve and make sure and help the, the migrants and the immigrants to uh, fair employment and treatment and all that that stuff. But did you have a vision of, okay, maybe if I can start here in the local community and then to expand into regional, national, did you ever think about, or did you ever have doubts rather about the magnitude of Kinstep? No, I never had doubts about the potential of Kinstep and its mission and its values. Kinstep is ultimately a social enterprise that uses technology to connect value-aligned companies with immigrant talent. We believe that every immigrant in the United States and around the world has and deserves the chance to have a viable income and to have a job that is steady and fair. And the number of immigrants in America is in the millions. And we all can do a better job and companies all around the United States can do a better job of ensuring that they give the immigrant and refugee that work for them the right access and also the right sources of employment. So I think the scope of it is enormous, Kitra. I think since President Donald Trump was elected and as a result of the immigration ban, There have been many companies that have come forward to say that they want to hire immigrants for their entry-level positions, for their highly skilled positions. In addition, there's been a lot of people, there's been a lot of community organizers, church groups, and activists and advocates who've come to us and to say that they care enough about this issue now, that they want to fight and ensure that immigrants all across America have a fair wage job and are not treated as a second-class citizen in their own professional community. 
in their own work. Yeah. And that, that's why, like I was saying, I, I know that it's a large undertaking. And even right here at home within the U.S., there are communities that are looked down upon or just kind of treated unfairly. But that's definitely a worldwide problem. And uh, it's, when you mentioned the new administration and you're talking about the immigration ban and things like that, we've seen a lot of that on the news lately. You know, there's countless stories of unfair treatment of immigrants and the ban, of course. But how do you think companies such as Kinstep and those similar initiatives will help change the conversation on immigration? I don't think any one company or organization can change the entire conversation. But I think what we can do is be part of a much larger effort and making sure that it doesn't remain just a conversation, Kitra. I think that has what has really made it very difficult in the United States to create lasting and permanent change is because so often people have this false sense of activism or advocacy where it's not just having a conversation on Twitter or Facebook and leaving it there. We want to make sure, Kinstep wants to ensure that there happens to be a course of action after those conversations. So we want to ensure that these companies who have pledged to hire immigrants will be held accountable and will have a pipeline through us to hire immigrants. Because a lot of immigrants and refugees that I speak and work for say to me that they have enough resources in their local community and nationally as well, but what they don't have at the end of it is are fair jobs with integrity are jobs that give them a sense of peace of mind. And that's where I think our role in Kinstep comes in. And we work with partners across the United States who have unique access to immigrants around the country. And they're always in evolving conversations with these immigrants to make sure that not only do they feel heard and safe, but that there is also bilateral dialogue and conversations with people who may not have exposure to this issue, people who may not have an exposure to an immigrant's story. Kitra, I don't ever want to make the mistake of judging or misplacing the misunderstanding that is existing right now with a lot of Americans who have a lack of exposure to immigrants. So I think in the absence of knowledge, a lot of times people make assumptions. And before I started Kinstep, I did research on this issue for four months. And so I went across America and I spoke to many different Americans. And some of the Americans had expressed to me fear around immigrants and refugees coming into their community because the fear was, well, I don't know who these people are and I don't know what values they bring. And I think that they're going to take jobs from me. And my approach is empathy. It's let me listen. Let, we need to all listen first before we label them or before we dismiss anybody. And I think that's also the approach Kinstep is taking. Is We're not trying to feed into the negative dialogue or discussion. We're trying to really utilize and understand the positive outcomes and the positive conversations and ensure that that is what we give our energy towards. It sounds like that you also do a bit of providing information and education when it comes to, you know, just kind of transitioning and positioning for those people that are newly planted here in the state. When you have a company that's interested in getting involved with Kinstep and your events and things like that, is there a specific process that you go through to make sure that the company is a good fit for what you guys are looking for? Yes, we right now work only with companies that first recognize immigrant talent and second have made a commitment to ensure that the immigrants that we place with them will be treated fairly and will be included 
We want to work with companies that care about diversity and inclusion. So for Kinstep, that's very important. And also, we want to also work with companies that are open to having an inclusive and diverse work environment as well. And I, I know we just mentioned this prior to the call, but I noticed that you have received numerous worldwide, I know you've received numerous uh, recognitions for some of the things that you've done in regards to helping immigrants and young migrants here in the States and also all over the world. But You've already told us, you know, okay, it was because of personal experience that you decided to take on this humongous effort. But aside from that, like what inspires you to continue the forward movement? Like what keeps you motivated to go about this undertaking? Yeah, that's a really good question. And one I often meditate and reflect on is what keeps me moving. I think there are several people and experiences and reasons why I keep moving. But the first is really the proximity I really believe that in every endeavor that I've taken in my life, I have tried to ensure that I remained as connected to the communities that I was trying to serve and the communities that I was trying to be a part of. Because frankly, there's too many people who are trying to leave communities that they have absolutely no membership of. And while on some level that is okay, I do believe that when you have a membership to a community, you just are able to be richer in the experience. Exactly. And it's probably easier to provide a level of service when people are familiar with you. Right. I do think so. That's one of the issues and reasons why I'm able to go on is because I hear their stories. I understand. I have connection towards the communities that I, I'm trying to serve. So when it comes to Step, for example, as I mentioned, I spent four months doing very rigorous mixed methodology research on this topic. And I was able to go across America and speak to immigrants of all backgrounds and ask them questions that moved them and experiences that challenged them and solutions that were so ingenious and creative to them. That's one. I think the second is my faith has really kept me going. As a Buddhist, I've been fortunate enough to come from a practice that trains me to think of my service in terms of eons and not in terms of decades or years. So when you think in terms of eons, you're able to get a large macro perspective. You're able to see how everything you do, while it's of consequence, it is also in some sense inconsequential too. So I feel that helps me lessen the burden of the personal burden that you always carry with you because it just gives you the wide standing perspective. And my faith has also taught me the importance of nurturing my mind and my heart. So part of nurturing my heart and part of training my heart means being empathetic and having a connective tissue to anyone I work with and for. And when you have that, you naturally develop a lot of energy. And so that has also kept me going, Petra. It's kept you going. Oh, wow. That's good stuff. Good stuff. And I know that you do a lot of traveling and that you enjoy meeting and working with people, which brings me to this question. Now, as an entrepreneur, like, what do you enjoy most about bringing your visions to life? Whether it is, of course, Kinsep was the foundation, but any of the outreach programs, the local events that you're doing, what is your favorite part of that creative process? Well, I tell you what, take that back. Let me know first, what do you enjoy most about bringing your visions to life? And then the second part of that, is what's your favorite part about the creative process? So the first question was, what do I enjoy most about the process? Sorry. About bringing the vision, your vision. My favorite part about bringing the vision to life would be when I'm able to place a lot of the immigrants and immigrant talent into the work and to see how 
by having the alignment there, by having placed the people, the happiness and peace of mind it gives them. So the process of thinking and brainstorming in my head, what are their needs? What is specific to them? Where will they thrive most? And what kind of an environment would be great for them? Because many times a lot of these immigrants tell me that coming to America, they've never had one person or a group of people devote time to thinking about their professional needs. So for me, it's my honor and privilege to be able to do that. And it's so rewarding because I get to be in the process of brainstorming and ideating, as well as seeing the result and fruits of that, which is that they're able to have oftentimes a minimum, if not a living wage job, and more importantly, have a peace of mind at home. So that, that's been incredibly rewarding. The process of when ideation meets implementation, that in between has been the most exciting for me is when entrepreneurs often have lofty ideas, have incredibly broad reaching and complex ideas. So how do you take a very complex idea and problem and implement it in a way that is scalable and that is unique to that community? So for Kinstep, that's been one of my most favorite parts. How do you take this $2 trillion shadow economy in the United States that is driven by immigrants And how do you take that, ensure that all of the pieces, whether that's the legal piece, making sure that it's with authorized individuals, whether it's the employment piece, making sure that it's safe and secure, how do you ensure that the two are connected and jointed? That has been the most exciting part for me, is when ideation can meet implementation. Yeah, and that's that's good stuff. Okay, and so with all the activities, I know you're probably most likely working with a lot of different organizations and things as an effort to enhance the efforts of Kinstep. Like, how do you manage your time and to, hey, wait, let me let me let you answer that one first. How do you go about time management? And then I have something else that I want to add into that. That is a, a critical question for anyone who's productive and anyone that has to be high octane in a job. So for me, I think the way I'm able to manage my time effectively with balancing work and life that comes with it has two things. First is using a lot of tools that have helped me to organize my life. So using technology in a way to serve the needs I have. And second would be being disciplined. I think the only real freedom in this world comes through discipline. And I try to ensure that I have discipline in my life by meditating having a healthy exercise and physical routine. And I think those two things help me manage my time wisely. Perfect. Yeah. And so, and I know you almost touched on the second part. I was actually going to ask, what do you use any uh, productivity tools, which you mentioned that you do, you know, have tools that kind of keep you on track, but what are some of the tools that you use to make sure that you're using your time efficiently and effectively? Absolutely. There are quite a lot of tools. So I can mention few. For my team, I found that team organization is critical to my sanity and also to my personal organization and time management. So the first is Slack. Have you ever used that, Keitra? Oh, yeah. Slack is an amazing way. gives you a multitude of ways to communicate with your team members. The second is Asana. I think Asana is really uh, good for the team to, to send reminders and have timelines. For my personal tool, I use Evernote religiously. I really like Evernote. I find it that it's great for on-the-go entrepreneurs. It gives you everything from time and access to create your notes, to share with your friends, have make comments and documents. I'm really a big fan of Google Calendar, Google Drive, and that's really where I'm able to keep 
all of my information and just ensure that I know where I'm going and what I need to do next. Exactly. Yeah, no, those are old trustees and favorites of, uh, of mine as well. So. Really? Okay. Are there any others that you like particularly? Or I mean, Slack for sure. There's Wonderless that I've been using and then also no more Skype. But I came across this really cool one on last week and it's called Scribble Post. It is like a calendar task you know, slash reminder all in one. And so they, I think they are getting ready to launch or maybe they've recently launched, but um, it's called Scribble Post. For anybody that's interested, you can check those guys out. I believe it's scribblepost.com, but I've just started using it. And so far, like that thing has been helping me to stay on task. But before that, I would just use like, and I still do, like I still use Evernote. And then of course I have um, the regular notes on the the iPhone that I kind of go in and jot down little notes to keep me on track. But yeah, I mean, all the ones that you, you mentioned are definitely good tools to have and especially for those people looking to stay on track because <laughs> I I need that so that's perfect and as far as like business resources or business development resources like do you have any suggestions for young entrepreneurs yeah I do I think this business development resources there's an array of them and I think it depends on where you are in your company life and what you're looking to do. So for example, if you're looking to grow your social presence, which for any new entrepreneur is critical because your brand really doesn't extend to your company. And oftentimes one is equated with the other. Kitra, you, for example, we connected on Twitter. So I think a good tool there is Crowdfire. I find that to be a really resourceful, important way to manage and to connect with people that are similar in your similar field and have interest in what you're doing. Few other resources are obviously the general LinkedIn for the networks, um, for potential investors that you may want to reach out to. I think LinkedIn is also a good source for just looking at employees that you may want to hire. I'm always surprised by how many friends I have who could be of help and who have decided to volunteer or be of resource to me as a result of me just reaching out to them on LinkedIn and asking, hey, how are you? What are you up to these days? Angel List has been another really important resource for me, especially for young startup entrepreneurs. It's a great place to grow your presence as well as to find other entrepreneurs, investors, and more importantly, amazing employees and incredible startups that are in this ecosystem. It's a wonderful resource to have. I also think, Kitra, the oftentimes understated and yet critical part of startup entrepreneurship resource is also accelerator programs. And I'm looking at many of them right now. And I think the two that are really compelling that many people know about is Y Combinator and Stardex. Both of them are located in Silicon Valley. And what they give you is mentorship, sometimes money, but most importantly, help you develop your startup and give you the momentum that is needed in a platform that often can help accelerate your growth. And I think that that can really sometimes make a difference between having a successful or not successful startup business. Exactly. No, I totally agree. And another thing is sometimes the resources, the mentorship and the actual platforms are better than the money. You know, I know a lot of startups, the first thing that a lot of them go for is to get the financial part of it. But, you know, sometimes other aspects of it can go a little bit further. Absolutely. And I have found one of the ways that I use uh, resources 
to understand this landscape because I was new to this ecosystem of startups. I came here about a year ago, so I'm still fairly a novice at this. But how I really became acclimated apart from asking friends and seeking advice from mentors was also through books. The one book that I really found to be incredibly practical and and important was Venture Deals. My co-founder, Adrian, had mentioned that this would be a very useful book because she had a friend who had recommended it very highly. And that was such an engaging and informative book. It was very reliable and it skillfully outlined all of the essential elements of a venture capital term sheet to what are the economics of the terms that are that an entrepreneur needs to know. And it made it very friendly for an entrepreneur to understand because oftentimes when you are doing equity-based investments, people overlook the term sheets. Entrepreneurs can overlook a lot of these elements and think, oh, well, that I can get to that later. But no, I think it's important to understand and to be as educated as possible. And so Venture Deals, that book really gives a very balanced view of what is important and what should be important to both an investor, an entrepreneur, and even a lawyer. Good information. This I have been taking down some notes, and I hope that my listeners are as well, because this has been extremely informative. And so it's just about time for us to wrap up. But before we go, I'd like for you, uh, Tenzin, if you would just share a couple of words of advice for our aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners, just anybody that is listening and just needs a couple of words of, of inspiration and motivation to get going. Sure. I say one of the quotes that always inspires me was actually one that was mentioned by Mayor Cory Booker during my graduation speech. Are you aware of Cory Booker? He's He was a mayor at the time and now a current senator for New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Definitely for me. So Cory Booker said that in the streets of New Jersey, he learned a very important lesson, which was always define yourself by the best in you and not the worst that others have done to you. And I think as an entrepreneur, that is one of the most important lessons, is that you must consistently look for how you can elevate yourself to be the best leader, to be the best manager, to be the best entrepreneur. And I think the second piece I would, was an advice that was given to me by Tim Ferriss. I met Tim at TED in Vancouver this past year, and I, I said to him, I said, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? And he said, someone mentioned to him and told him that you're not as good as they say you are, and you're not as bad as they say you are. And I think that's an important lesson. It's like, don't listen to your worst critics or your best supporters because you're somewhere in between. Getting swayed by either one is is not a good idea. So stay in the middle, stay in your track and go forward. Yeah, that is extremely, extremely powerful statement, you know, for people to kind of just kind of stay in the zone and be comfortable with themselves and who they are. So I definitely agree on that one. And so before we leave, let us know of any upcoming events or give us just an overview of what you have coming for KenStep going into the end of the summer and as we enter into the fall. And then also let us know where we can find uh, KenStep and you as well, Tencent Online. Sure. Uh, KenStep, you can find us at www.kinstepkinstep.com. And if you are interested in either volunteering with us in advocating for us or ensuring that your company or your organization could be an ally to us, please go on our website and we have all of the right forms on there. 
we would love more allies and more advocates. I think that's really one of the most important things for us. And as far as upcoming events that were coming up, as you know, June just wrapped up with the Heritage Month and we had many events that we were partnering with there. In particular, we partnered with Forward.us on an event about understanding and meeting with immigrants in the local community. We have an event also in August coming up for Daybreakers. So we'll give you more information on that on our website. And yeah, if you are an advocate or want to volunteer, we would love to have you in. Perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Tenzin. So we look forward to uh, having you back here again very soon because I feel like some things are going to be breaking for you as you continue your initiative. And uh, we definitely wish you the best and uh, have a great evening and talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Keitra. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful evening as well. Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.